0: Welcome to the Weathered Man Podcast. This is your host, Chad Stecker, and I am the Weathered Man. This is the podcast where a humbled man pleads to a broken world to listen to his eccentric thoughts concerning life, family, and the church today. We're continuing this journey of healing with an awesome couple, y'all. Chad and Jamie Elder are missionaries to Africa and have lived for souls of others. They have had many ups and downs in ministry and within their own personal lives, and that's what makes them so amazing. And their willingness to speak to us concerning their ministry, but also what they've walked through as individuals and as a couple. In the next few episodes, the elders and I discuss healing from a raw and real perspective, void from all the prosperity forced Americanized gospel that we deal with today here. As you listen, you will hear about healing and spiritual victories from a fresh perspective. I promise you that. This is a couple that has experienced God and his miraculous power, but refused to showboat and market God on social media and other platforms. Their humility and their struggles lead us all to the very change within their very inner struggles and longings through the desire to see souls healed and set free. Sit back, relax, and enjoy part one with my discussion with Chad and Jamie Elder. We have Chad and Jamie Elder here. I know in ministry, as especially as a pastor, we came into contact with tons of missionaries. All of the missionaries I respect and love and cherish, but very few you truly connect with on a level that is past just the business side of ministry. Chad and Jamie Elder are two that I cherish, care about, and even after leaving and 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 transitioning, and God moving us to Nebraska, it's relationships that we still keep in contact with. They're missionaries I 100% believe in, I'd send my children to go serve with, that should tell you everything. I am so excited about this conversation because there there are a couple that I've had amazing uh, ministry-related, intimate conversations with that I feel a connection with that is beyond just, let's give them money and send them out into the field and hope that people get saved. There's so much more going on uh, when they're in the mission field than just simply have you said a prayer of salvation and let's move on to the next. They're not numbers oriented, but they are truly souls focused. They're not trying to grow a church. They're trying to build the kingdom of God itself. And I am just blessed that you two would choose to be on this with me and allow me to ask you some amazing questions and just get the raw details of what the ministry God has given you, but also Get to know who you are. Sometimes we don't know the very people God is sending out into the field. We just know that they've got a great calling. In the church, we get to experience the calling of the pastor and other lay leaders, but it's very few times we truly get to know and hear from the missionaries themselves that are on the front lines around the world. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Jamie, for being here with me on the Weathered Man podcast. It's good to have you. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, thanks. It's good, man.
2: Good to be here, it's um reciprocating you know feelings towards you uh today. Uh, it's tough to connect sometimes with ministers when we are just around brief periods of time and we're gone for years at a time, but we felt a kindred connection and uh, just felt close to you and uh your family and the short periods that we were around, and so. Uh, we love your heart and we love your mentality, your approach to ministry, and uh, just an honor to be with you on your
0: podcast. Love what you're doing. So,
1: Thanks for having um, us.
0: Yeah, it's good to be with you. Awesome sauce. And we also share the same name, so there's got to be a connection there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great name, right? Absolutely. Brave Warrior. Let's talk about you guys. How How long have you been married? How long have you known each other? What is happening within your life together? Where are you at now? And I'm just going to give you the floor. How about that?
1: Yes, yeah, sounds good. Um, I grew up in Louisiana. I'm a Louisiana girl through and through. Uh, more the redneck version of Louisiana, not really the Cajun part of it. But um, we we met.
0: There's places in Louisiana that's not redneck?
1: I know, right? It's <laughs> surprising, isn't it?
0: <laughs> that is very <laughs>
1: Yeah, we met um, back in 2004, Chad and I met, took us a while to really um, decide that we liked one another, and then after some time kind of discovering more about one another, our hearts um, for just life and ministry, discovering that we both were called to missions of, hey, something might be up with this, <laughs> and so decided he was cuter than what I thought he was before. <laughs> and that happens. um it does. It's crazy. And so we got married a year after meeting each other and starting to date. So we got married in 2005, just celebrated 15 years of marriage. It's been good.
0: <laughs> Nothing but bliss. Oh, come on. <laughs> we we don't to there you, Just stick with that. She's still smiling with you, Chad. So we're going to just leave it at that. Nothing but bliss. There
1: you
0: go. <laughs> Not a single disagreement ever. <laughs> we want people to trust you, Chad. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we both felt called to ministry at like a young age and called to mission specifically. So, it was a perfect match for right. us um, meeting each other and just kind of starting ministry in life together. So, that's kind of our background, like where we've been. I grew up in a minister's home. And so I was around ministry my entire life and just loved it. Couldn't imagine doing anything else other than ministry and reaching out to lost people. So
0: before we really get into the heart of this, I, what are some of the things that you, you love? I know everybody thinks that when you're a pastor, all you think about is the Bible and preaching. And when you're a missionary, all you think about is souls on, 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 on the mission field. And that is a big part of things. But one of the misconceptions is there's no middle ground with missionaries you guys are like Joan of arcs and, (laughs) and going, you know, going into the battlefield and you're always, your life is always on the line. And we know that there's certain aspects that we can't talk about today on this podcast. You're not going to elevate those issues, but we know those are issues that you're completely surrounded by many times in Africa. You know, I love Africa. My heart is in Africa. God just never allowed me to be a missionary to Africa. It's been my Habakkuk moment with God where I get to complain and then watch, you know, climb the watchtower station myself at the post to see how he's going to answer me. And he answers me the same way every time. No, but Africa is just absolutely amazing. And so people think that you have to have this certain personality. You have to, everything's right. There is no struggle. God provides. You just walk it out. Your focus is never on your personal life. And Everything goes right, and you just, your whole focus is on the field. And before we get to the mission field, let's talk about personal because we know you two have gone through the fire at home and abroad. You've gone through the fire within your marriage concerning desires and longings of your heart. All three of us have this belief system that our words matter. You know, our words have the power of life and death. You've gone through hurts, and you've gone through different things that have um, made you who you are today. And specifically, I just want to talk about you as a family. And I know that's something that you've been very public on, but I don't want to give out all the details. I wanted you to kind of explain this, the journey you've been on and um, throughout with the, the natural longing to have kids and, um, and where you're at with that and just let that be. And so if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about that and give that part of your testimony, that would be wonderful.
1: Yeah, Definitely. Uh, we, like I said earlier, we've been married for 15 years and have been unable to have kids in me specifically. I think Chad probably had it in his heart more than I did, even from the beginning. Um, but something that really challenged me in several, several years ago in terms of, of growing a family, you know, I really struggled with that idea. Was I ready to have a family? Did I really want to have a family? And actually a fellow team member, in Africa challenged me on that. He's like, you know, what's your hang up? What's, what's going on? What makes you feel that way? And I really had to step back and evaluate that. And for me, realizing that it came down simply to fear, fear of not being an adequate mother, fear of messing some kid up. You know, Um, Would they adapt to life in Africa? What would that look like? How do I navigate helping kids living in a third world culture, um, all while still trying to minister. So having to resolve that within myself initially, and then seeing that God just gave me personally that desire to have children. And yet we were still unable to have kids. You know, in Africa specifically, children are gateways. They open up doors for conversations and for ministry. So to not have kids and to be married as long as we had been married, it was a huge challenge for me to connect with other women because for them, from their perspective, I wasn't fulfilling my duty as a wife. I must not um, be a good wife. My husband must be looking for another wife because I wasn't doing my job. And Mm -hmm. so that presented some big hurdles um, for me personally in in overcoming uh, the idea that I knew God had called me there, but how in the world was I going to reach these women If I couldn't have a deeper conversation, then I didn't have children. And so um, as that desire grew in us, we we went on the journey of adoption just this past year, I guess, year and a half. And um, the adoption foster to adopt rather. And it's been quite the journey. Um, We recently have felt God um, redirecting that and saying not yet. You definitely have the highs and lows, you know, the, the moments of longing, but still trying to trust the Lord in his timing, all all the same time, knowing that his will and his plan is always good. But sometimes it's hard to reconcile whenever your heart longs for something different.
0: Absolutely. And we, we all know the scripture, you know, God, you know, gives us the desires of our heart and there's multiple different interpretations. I know that, but work with yeah. me here. We know that the Bible says that, and we know your heart's. Both, I know both your hearts are lined with the will of God. And I know, know as a woman, or well, I don't know as a woman, but <laughs> I know watching my wife and that longing to be a mom and watching her when she became a mom, just it, it was the most beautiful thing ever. And Tanya and I have walked through many hard, hard things, gut-wrenching things, but that's not been one of them. You know, I, I started to, my, our joke, mine and Tanya's joke were, you know, after we had the fifth one, and she's like, she's like, this is five. And we would have to talk like, when's enough, enough kind of a thing. And I'm like, baby, I'm I'm kind of scared. I'm starting to think I don't even need to be in the room. <laughs> I, I look at you and you're pregnant. That's and, great. And then we're surrounded by friends and family that have struggled with that area, which is one of the most precious areas that you could ever experience we always look at how the woman feels because it's not just Africa. It's, it's in the Christian culture here in America that yeah. that's a main duty of a wife is to provide yeah. children. And it's in our culture. It's in our biblical culture and even in our culture as citizens of, of the United States of America. And on this earth, it's just built in Chad. I want you to kind of just dissect your thought process through this, because as a man, our job is to provide <laughs> And it's not just providing finances or providing things that our culture in America says we should provide, but it's also being able to provide the essentials for our wife's well-being and happiness as well. And and the things that have broken me in a sense or worked on me and wanted to take me to places I shouldn't go is when I knew my wife had a longing and I couldn't provide that for her. I know I have a lot of listeners that are going through certain things like just what you're going through. And this is why I really, when we talked about what we would talk about a little bit, we wanted to direct the personal area to this because there's so many people out there right there. And now that don't know where to turn, don't even know they can turn to Jesus for this. And if they do, it's like, how do I turn to Jesus for this? But before we get there, Chad, I just want you to kind of, take it, break down a little bit and, and give us the, the man's perspective concerning this area so that men that are listening, that might be going through this, know that they're not alone and that there, there are strong men that I know you're going to say, oh, I'm not always strong, but you have, I've watched you in this process and you've been an amazing husband through this process. And, and Jamie is nodding. Yes. So I know I'm right onto that one. Yes. And, and how kind of has God brought you through this, through this disappointment? It, 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 I, I know we've talked about it. It's been a disappointment to you, but how do you work through this as a man and as a husband?
2: Yeah, that has definitely been um, a process for us because this was a disappointment the last year. The last 18 months have been hard. It's a disappointment on top of the last three years of disappointments not just childbearing, but there's just been, it's just been a tough season in general. You know, this last missionary term nearly broke me as a man. I mean, my confidence. Wow. My confidence was shot as a minister. I was broken. It's tough to put into words, how long it took to decompress.
0: Hmm.
2: It's tough to explain really I mean, we came home to, we just came home to my parents' house. I didn't call anyone. I didn't, I didn't hang out with people. My parents, I knew they would understand and be a safe place. I just slept for four or five weeks. I just watched TV slept rested and ate for four or five weeks. I still wasn't myself for a couple of months after that, I was spent. And then still we face this disappointment of this adoption not happening. Hmm. And so I was spent as a leader, as a, as a man and as a husband, not being able to provide the solution. Because what's funny about this is I'll, we go to a lot of places and speak in churches and at events. And people will lay hands on my wife lay hands on her womb and pray over her without permission. And it's awkward and it's kind of funny afterwards. And we joke about it, but people don't ask really what the problem is. And we know the problem is me.
0: (laughs) I just, we don't want a visual of how they would lay hands on you. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It would be eternally awkward if they did. It's like, Hey, We need to get better at asking those kind of questions, like, "Can I pray for you? What is actually the problem, and is this okay?" Those kind of things make it awkward, and and we're okay talking about it actually, but a lot of people are not. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that I can do is lay my ego on the altar (laughs) and say, "Lord, I don't know this." I don't know the answer and I don't know why I don't know the solution, but I'm laying it before you because you're, you're the Lord, you're God. And I'm not, and someday I'll, I'll I'll know the reasons, but for now it's not for me to know. And maybe we'll go to Malawi and maybe there's some, some baby there for
0: us. I don't know that, but maybe that's his plan. So, uh, you're one of the men I've cried with a lot. And uh, <laughs> and once again, you have me and it is just this realization of where you you've taken me. I, I know they've asked, I've been asked a lot lately in season two because of all these different discussions and interviews concerning healing. And that's really what we're about here this season and to see that wounds come in different shapes and sizes wounds are dispersed in different ways it's not just a a gunshot wound or a divorce or wounds come from all different directions as you were talking chad i just i related so much to that because this last year you said a couple months i i'm coming up on a year of you know it was almost a year of just really struggling like never before for someone like me and people that have walked with me, they're like, isn't it, like you struggle like 80% of the time. You know, there's always something going on with you. And and to a point, that's kind of true. But this last year was so different because I was more hurt and angry and disappointed than ever before. And people never asked why. Yeah. They assumed that I was angry and hurt and disappointed with. Louisiana and the the church and with others. And I struggled with being hurt and disappointed and angry with myself. Mm. I I I couldn't explain that. And we come from a culture that never looks in the mirror. Mm. And it's dangerous. Mm, but what's yeah. Also dangerous is what my personality always does is I only look in the mirror. Oh yeah. And so and what you were saying is I kind of saw that where at least for those couple of months, it was, I couldn't see anything but my failure. I couldn't see anything but what I did wrong. I couldn't, And it was driving me absolutely mad.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: when that happens, the, the self-worth and the disrespect towards yourself goes, and it makes it very difficult for you then to have any worth moving forward and any respect towards anybody else. And so I can only imagine, you know, in that season, how Jamie felt because it's almost like she could look at you and go, you're not the Chad I've always known. And and that's kind of what Tanya did last year. And because I always loved life, I always gave people the benefit of the doubt. But I couldn't even do that in that sense, because it was almost as if I saw myself as evil when God saw myself as redeemed and good through his son. I'm so grateful that you were willing to open up with that. A lot of times as men, we're unwilling to do so, especially in a public forum, but I'm grateful for both of you. I want to tell a story about Chad um, real quick, and I'm not being prideful. I'm talking about the other Chad. Uh, (laughs) As we we start the process of ending part one, this has just flown through. I remember in January of 2015, I had a close friend of mine, an older gentleman, just he up and moved to Louisiana, called me as he was driving his 27-foot U-Haul and says, I'm coming your way. Do you got a place for me? And I was like, oh my goodness. If you could have, <laughs> you know Tanya, if you could have saw her face. And so he arrives with this 27-foot U-Haul and because there was no time, I couldn't get anybody to help me that day. And we had to get the U-Haul back. It was in January and I know it was Louisiana, but people don't realize how much ice we get in January in yeah. Louisiana. I'm literally unloading a 27 foot U-Haul van by myself with all of his stuff. And he was older and walked with a cane. So he couldn't do any of it. I remember that like stopping at one point and him asking what in the world is going on. And I said, just give me a second. And I was, I was, I was not happy with the situation, but I needed to handle it. Well, it was one of those times where I did handle it. Well, a lot of times I didn't my emotions would get the best of me, but I just stopped and I said, God, I can't do this by myself anymore. Basically what I said. And if I said more, I don't remember it, but I remember that. And within moments, I don't know how many minutes pass or what you pull up in your car at that time. We didn't know if you were going to be in Africa or not. I mean, it was a busy season for you guys in 2015. Yeah. And you said, you said, you said, pastor Chad, I don't know why, but I was driving to another church. I was getting ready to go. I think you were getting ready to go. I mean, you were going north towards Monroe. And you're like, God stopped me, told me to turn around, and told me to come and see you today. And I lost it. You (laughs) unloaded that entire 27-foot U-Haul with me, man. And uh, I remember you let me take you out to lunch afterwards. And I was like, I would, if you would have asked from so still to this day, if you would ask me to do anything, barring me going to jail on your behalf, I would do it. (laughs) I get emotional thinking about that because we always talk about, we have Holy Spirit in us and God talks to us, but that's the kind of stuff I believe God is talking to us about. And yet we always miss it or we hardly ever hear that and then act on it. And not only did you hear him while you were getting ready to go to talk to a pastor about preaching and to, to fund your ministry, you turned around and came for nothing and you worked your tail off all day unloading a 27 foot U-Haul with me. I will never forget that. I know I've told you privately. I, I really, I know we're indebted to the cross. I know we're indebted to Christ. We should never be in debt on, on this earth in that sense. But I am, I feel emotionally indebted to you on that one because not necessarily what you did, It was who you were in the moment. Mm. And at that point, I knew who you were in Africa, who you are every day when no one else is watching. And you are literally that servant that leads by example. You might not see the fruit within a baby right now, but you're literally looking at me right now as fruit of your mission. I'm eternally grateful because When you become a pastor of a church, regardless of denomination or even where you're at in America, there's these obligations that every pastor feels like he did more ministry before he became a pastor. (laughs) You know, it just, there's so much, so many obligations that are so natural and not supernatural for our pastors. And you brought me back to what ministry really was it was, it was amazing. So I just want to thank you for that. And I wanted my listeners to know that I wanted them to hear that. I've been saving that story for the first two seasons because I remember when I brought it up, you didn't even remember. That was the cool part. It's a, it's a vague memory,
2: but I I'm just really glad it blessed you, man. So thank you for sharing that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. It's really great. You hadn't even preached. You hadn't come into our church yet. That was the crazy part. We really didn't know each other very well at that point. No, I'm. I'm just really glad that it, it blessed your day, man. Absolutely, it's awesome. Well, it, it that day didn't leave me. So it didn't yeah. just bless that day. It, it blessed my life moving forward. <laughs> and so, this is the thing that I think. What we realize, and I want to end on this note. My dad has always talked talk to me about full-time ministry and he tells ministers, stop saying you're in full-time ministry and, uh, or, and he tells parishioners or like just church members, stop saying you're not in full-time ministry. There's a difference between full-time ministry and calling when we become, uh, and he says it a little differently. So forgive me, dad, when you listen to this, but this is my podcast anyways. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but when you accept Jesus into your life and you surrender to his Lordship, you are now forever in full-time ministry.
1: Yes.
0: Some, some people are missionaries, some are pastors, some are businessmen, some are teachers, some are scholars, some are, but we're all in full-time mini- ministry as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. We are not just, just not everybody's called into being a missionary or into the clergy or in other areas. And so what you did was, and I think what the listeners of this podcast can take that within the healing power of Jesus Christ, what that healing does, whatever the wound is, regardless of natural, supernatural, physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual, the healing power of Jesus helps us walk out our purpose within Jesus Christ himself. Yes, That they're in full-time ministry and that their dependence can't be on somebody that's in the clergy or that is called to a specific piece within ministry or position in ministry. In walking out their faith every day, God can use them even within the hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Absolutely. And, and I think
2: he prefers to do so because, man, that's when God gets the glory. And he doesn't prefer to use perfect vessels because what good— uh, does that do uh he, he doesn't use these perfect beings that are all shiny and new uh, because then what glory does that bring him you know what i'm saying it, it just he uses these people that are beat up and broken and and wounded and bleeding and and limping around and and i think that i'm i'm limping so much that i'm practically sprinting because i can't I can't lean on either leg and my, and my knees are bruised and my hips hurt and my back hurts because I slept wrong last night. And I, you know what I'm saying? And I heard a saying the other day, you know, don't trust anybody that doesn't walk with a limp, you know, because they they're hiding their wounds they're hiding their hurts. They're hiding their past. They're hiding what they've been through. They're not being transparent because, with what they've walked through and they're trying to walk in perfection. And that just doesn't exist. It's not real. It's not true. And man, we as ministers, we've got to uh, let God use those things to glorify him.
0: Amen. Uh, amen. I, I think that's the perfect ending right there for part one. They've heard your story and they've get to hear you preach a little bit in a wonderful way. And I think that leads into a perfect segue into what part two is going to be with who you are and what happens on the mission field and walking out as, as followers of Jesus Christ and bringing the perfection of Jesus without doing it, faking a limp. Oh my goodness. That is, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing for them. And I believe that's why you're so victorious on the mission field is because they see, they see the truth through your reality and and who you really are and to see who you are and see your weaknesses they can see the strength of jesus within you because Amen. sometimes <laughs> regardless on the mission field or not and people can, there's a reason why paul says in my weakness i'm made strong through his strength right Amen. he is made strong but it's really we're made strong through him if we're willing to open up and and showcase our weakness and so no matter what we cannot have false humility either Where we talk about pride a lot, but that false humility of exaggerating the limp. And and so just be real so you can showcase the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. And
1: isn't that a beautiful part of discipleship, even like as we disciple others to Christ, that we're not discipling them to perfection. We're discipling them to wrestle through the inadequacies, through the difficulties, and hold on to Jesus, lean into him in those moments rather than trying to lean in our own dependence. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Hey, look, I'm with you 100%. The health, wealth, and happiness gospel is really ticked off with you right now, Jamie. But you are 100% accurate in, in my heart and my spirit and my, my mind on this one. Get ready for part two, y'all. Thank you so much for part one. Thank you, too, for so much for opening up and being, being willing to open up about your hurts, your habits, and hangups. Once again, I can say I got rocked and I love it. I love it when Jesus rocks me through the testimony of others. So God bless you too. And I can't wait for part two. And remember, in a world of groupthink, you can watch me, mock me, block me, or join me, but you can't silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends.